folks, welcome to an episode of The Art Tenders with Mac and Dan. I'm Dan, he is Mac. Howdy. Uh, some quick things on the docket. Uh, Mac, you have earned yourself a penalty point uh, from uh, the One. episode of Dark Season 3. It is because you said outright that oh. Lisa Vicari and Lewis Hoffman are dating. There are some rumors and speculation, but it was addressed as such a fact when there is absolutely no confirmation. And because right. you did not put the sort of hat on top of it of reckless speculation then the, it was just it's just dangerous it's just slander it's it is just slander you you are you're contributing to the problem That's that we true. face That's as true. humankind now i i apologize first and foremost not to you it's danny being but block, blocked but by to, the globe but to lisa work. yeah look i'm not a cinematographer <laughs> He's trying desperately not to hold there the mic. Do you want me to hold it and I'll be the yeah, show? Yeah, girl? run it up there, run it up there. Okay, as and for the uh, auditory audience, I am holding up the uh, penalty point counter. I apologize uh, first and have. foremost, not to uh, Danny, but or or uh, to our listener, but but to uh, Senor Hoffman, Lewis Hoffman, Lewis, Ho Lewis or, Hoffman, yeah, yeah, Lewis Hoffman, yeah. Hopefully pronounced right. Yeah. Um, and uh, Lisa Vickery Vickery. Vicari. Um, yeah, wait, Vicari. Yeah, yeah, sure. V-I-C-A-R-I. I can yeah. spell it. Yes. Don't know how it's said. That's fine. Um, Sorry Mac. to them. Yeah. Don't look up. Is yes, what sir. we are <laughs> we're, we're, we're reviewing uh, for this week. It is a, a movie uh, written and directed by Adam McKay. It's also written by one other individual, and I foolishly did not have the IMDb pulled up because I am a gosh darn doodly rick rookie. Uh, David uh, Sirota. Thank you so much for covering my ass. I got you, bud. Uh, even though it was obvious I was filibustering. <laughs> yeah, sorry um, about that. I was just on timer. It is a movie that came out uh, both in theaters as well as it is a Netflix film that came out uh, towards the end of the year 2021. Um, and so at the end of the Dark Season 3 episode, I said that it is a movie that is about COVID, but it's written before COVID. Let me explain, because I still stand by that statement. Yeah. So let me explain. The inception of the writing of this film was the um as Adam McKay has said was the idea behind it was it the I oh my god I'm flubbing all over the place you're okay you're okay I'm hey, running out of steam I'm running out of interested. gas thank you but thank you that you're interested yeah I'm still into it um the movie is actually about climate change it is a satirical piece starring Leonardo DiCaprio and Jennifer Lawrence about climate change and two scientists in the context of this film um trying to tell the universe, essentially, the rest of the planet Earth, hey, there's a comet coming in six months. We're all going to die unless we don't do something about it. That right. That is going to collide with the Earth. It's bigger than the one that killed the dinosaurs. We need to do something about it. And so the film primarily follows them to their journey throughout trying to share that message and how it's received and how... Uh, the world at large deals with that problem. And so the idea behind it was that it, it's it's supposed to be analogous to climate change, how there are multiple scientists, multiple, multiple scientists who, uh, who are concerned with global warming and, and the climate change that we are experiencing on the face of this earth and how that is going to uh, affect the ecosystem and even the mm -hmm. way that we live our lives. Um, largely, it boils down to literally um, like ice caps, you know, melting and then like the rising of um, 
the the water, the surface water on Earth. So this movie was written for that. And then production was halted because of COVID. And what was also really funny about this film was they even had to cut things from the film because they actually happen during COVID times. I see. Really? So it's like yes. it was, they were too on the nose and they felt like yeah. it would be low-hanging fruit if they kept exactly. it. Exactly. So, so, what, so what happened to this I didn't film know is that. that. That actually gives it a lot more merit, I think. Is that it became a film without you know anybody's choice, per se, about COVID. And so the biz- biggest example was um, – for example, when President Orlean, who's played by Meryl, Meryl Streep, <laughs> which is just the funniest thing, yeah. uh, and she finally comes around. This is like halfway through the movie. Uh, she finally comes around and agrees, okay, we are going to destroy this comet. We're going to get everybody together. We're going to destroy this comet. And um, the original writing of the script had her explain that they had to put a bill through the House and Senate. And it was only agreed upon partially because there was a um like a tax relief benefit for the one percent. Yeah. As like a funny little thing of like they couldn't get this passed because the the top one percent of like wealthy people, you know, wow. like wanted it that way and had all the power. And that is something that happened during COVID with the COVID relief. Yeah. Bill, that there was a lot of tax relief uh for the one percent and so that was cut from the film because that would be way too on the nose yeah yeah uh so it's it's interesting, interesting how this film sort of morphed yeah, its identity that. because of covid and also in turn because it's not really trying to be about covid i think it's probably one of if not the most successful pieces of media that is about covid yeah uh, cause I'm sure you and I, Mac have seen so many pieces of theater and plays over zoom and it's just some of the worst stuff you can't, there's like one thing that literally just one thing out of multiple that I can think of that. It's like, okay, that's decent because yeah. it was made in mind for zoom as opposed to like, was it, we're going to do a reading. Piece? This was a yeah, piece that was, uh, yes, directed by a former professor of ours that had, zoom and the interactivity of zoom in mind as opposed to yes and opposed as opposed to uh like a play reading being done over zoom but then yeah that was good what what really succeeded about this film was that like it wasn't necessarily about that and rather it was about the humanity that was going on beneath that and it wasn't through the apparatus that was covid Uh or zoom it was through the apparatus that was like a comet was facing you know, hurling tor- itself towards Earth. And so then what it also was was heightened stakes for these characters. Yeah, yeah, sure. The the, the funny thing that I, I find is that uh, there are actually quite a few people that I know that did not particularly like this movie Yeah, because they felt like it was too on the nose. Like they didn't know anything about That's the funny. pre-production. Yeah. And they didn't know that it was something that happened before COVID. They really thought that it was a movie that was made – for COVID during COVID, and it was just like, okay, I don't really want to see a COVID. Piece. Yeah, if you told us that, we we would believe you. Yeah, yeah, totally. Now, like that that is a note that you could give to, or or a review you could give to Inside by Bo Burnham, for instance. Um, that like maybe it's a little too much COVID. And I don't really want to deal with that right now. I and and there are lots of people that that don't want to deal with those things, and I get that. But it's funny to think that people are giving that note to a movie that was not even made when 
COVID existed. Or not even, or like, like thought written. of. Right, or right, or right. Because um, if, I'm, if I'm not mistaken, too, like, this film had been in, in a sort of development hell for a while before it was even picked up by Netflix. Uh-huh. Like, this script, at least the idea of the script, has been floating around for years. Funny to think that producers had such a hard time picking it up, or production companies had such a hard time picking it up, when it, it clearly sat pretty fucking well with the actors they got in insane cast yeah i yeah so with with leonardo dicaprio and jennifer lawrence and then there's also meryl streep uh-huh. and mark there's Jonah hill mark uh-huh. rylance is just the strangest fellow I mean, in the film kate blanchett kate blanchett i forgot is about kate in blanchett. it and tyler perry is in it yeah. it, it is a star-studded cast yeah um and and crazily so. Uh, Chris Evans is also in it as a cameo. Oh, this is a this is a revelation for Mac. This is a discovery, an Wait, active discovery. He? I have just revealed something he? to him. When is he? He is he? the uh the film director um that they like towards the end of the movie that he's in sunglasses and a beanie and he has a beard and they interview him for the film that's oh, like about the comic Oh, I remember down. that now. Yes, yes, and yes. And that is Chris yes, Evans only because I recognize his voice and I've heard that voice too many times that's to be like, That's hilarious. I did not even know that. That is so funny. But yeah, the the um the the movie is uh Something that 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 does feel like it's very clearly made for COVID, but yeah. I, it actually makes me feel really good to know that it wasn't. Um, and uh, and another big thing, I, I was I was talking to Danny before we started this podcast because both of us were a little nervous to take it on. Um, mm-hmm. I, and I want to get your reasons why in a second, but yeah. and we both liked it. Like, yeah. let's let's get well. That, that was kind of what there. made me nervous about it is because <laughs> I liked it a lot. It's a lot harder then, to have takes about things you like. Or, there's well, there's that, but then also like I had three conversations back to back to back with people that really didn't like it, and oh. every single time I got kind of defensive, but like I didn't really know how to articulate myself, yeah, and so I felt bad because it was just like I don't know I just liked it, you know. Well, well let's let's discuss that then. Mm-hmm. That's a good segue. What what were some of the complaints that you heard in regards to this film? Because I I mean I haven't talked to anybody personally about this film quite yet that I've seen this film. Yeah. Um I've heard a few sort of you know things that people didn't like but but I'm I'm curious about like the the specific interactions that you received in regards to things that were not received well from this film. Right. So the the, the first thing is that it it feels too in your face. Um a lot of people said a similar thing for uh I don't know if you've seen the movie Get Out. Yes. A lot of people that I know that have seen Get Out. I Loved Get Out, um, but there are quite a few people that I know that felt like um, it would have been better if the if the racial themes were a, a little more subtle or maybe revealed later in the movie because mm-hmm. then like it it just feels preachy at, after a while, which like, I, I kind of get that, but at the same time, I. I'm so in love with the concept that I don't care. Yeah, a major complaint that I heard, and it's kind of similar in that vein, is that it's too clear and too on the nose per se what the storytellers want to say right. at like the beginning of the film. Right, and and it even though it's a satire, it's a know? great story. Yeah, and um, it's done expertly. It's done tragically by, by, beautiful. Yeah, no, it really at is at moments, and it's and just, laugh out loud funny. And and the things they're trying to say are cool. 
It's just that because they're saying them so early, then I feel like they're just saying the same thing over and over and over and over again. And and I get those complaints, but yeah. I think what's a little different for me is that my expectations were just in a dramatically different place. And I think the actor's expectations were in a different place as well because I I know a lot of Adam McKay movies. Yeah. Like, I'm really, really comfortable and familiar with Adam McKay. And so whenever I watch Adam McKay, really the only drama that I can think of that uh, that I attest to him is The Big Short, which I would call more a thriller than a drama. Mm-hmm. Um, and outside of that, he's just made such insane, over-the-top, goofy satire. Like, oh, and b- 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 comedies in general. Just too. comedy, I mean, yeah. Step Brothers and Talladega Nights. Which are some of my favorite, like, childhood movies. Like, I grew up on those movies. Like, my teen years... My sense of humor was formed by some of those movies. Um, and uh, uh, the other guys. Um, yeah. yeah. And uh, oh, oh, I forgot that that Will Ferrell vehicle that tanked. Um, I couldn't. Casa de mi padre. Uh, <laughs> just trash. But that's what I expect whenever I step into sure. an cable yeah, movie. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. so whenever I see Don't Look Up, I'm not expecting something high art. I'm expecting to just kind of have a good time. Yeah. And I had a really fucking good time. Well, yeah, and it's something that shifted with The Big Short and then furthermore with Vice when he oh, Vice. directed those films, uh-huh. you know, of like there was a shift of uh, some people refer to, you know, those two films and Don't Look Up as the What the F is Going On trilogy, you know, of just Funny. like shit hitting that the makes fan sense to me. That at makes sense all to me. points. And yeah. well, but, but like, because I think there are some pacing things that you sort of briefly alluded to right so what we have is like halfway through this film as well when it's the first attempt to like destroy the comet turns out the <laughs> the, the, the rocket turns around which is the funniest shot oh my god yeah the funniest they figure the out film. like as it the, a rocket is made of air that there are precious materials that need to be mined on the on the meteor because they have to satisfy the one percent and a gigantic donor right. of the president who owns a uh, a phone company that basically, basically runs apple. the world yeah yeah Basically, whatever, yeah, Apple, it could be just anything uh-huh. that you can use for that. But, uh, so, and which is then also followed up with um, a very just funny snippet of some guy saying, it looks like the rocket's turning around, and the guy next to him saying, no, it looks like a course correction. I, I was in the military. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> like, so no, no, good. No, it's turning around. Like, and that's like a consistent <laughs> theme of this movie as well. But back to the note oh, of pacing. Yeah. We have, like, a super high point in stakes and, like, accomplishment and a sort of, like, climax, right? Yeah. At the literal middle point of the film. Yeah. And so then you have another hour and a half-ish, you know, right afterwards. Yeah. And so then it's tricky because because what we have then is the character's immediately have to like go and tell the president right as opposed to like at the beginning of the film right with with right. leonardo dicaprio's character and jennifer lawrence's character and rob morgan's character shout out to uh gold medal uh winner uh rob morgan in this film wow and so wow so because, you just dropped that because okay. they, they put that like that segment of the film trying to destroy the comment in the in the dead center. I'm really bad in this episode. Anyway. <laughs> no, you're okay. Just, you're fine. No, I like I like admitting to it because it, if, I feel like it's giving a little peek behind the curtain. It forces the characters to sort of uh, 
get to the task at hand, right? To cross the threshold much earlier in the film as opposed to, like, slowly setting up, right? Because they'd probably meet the president, like, 10, 15, maybe 20 minutes into the film. Like, it doesn't yeah. take long. No. At all. Or maybe it does take a little bit long. But, like, the action to go meet the president, yeah. rather, does not take long. And so we don't see a lot of the journey too much of, like, what is what are their present psyches going through as I look up the character names? What what are they, like, psychologically going through and how are they actually going to deal with that in the day-to-day? But instead, yeah. they just rush to uh, going to meet the president to get, like, the plot of the film going. Even though I found the best part of the film, even... Um, Excuse me. To be, <laughs> to yeah. be, like the plot, quote unquote, of yeah. the characters, the development mm-hmm. of the characters. Of course, since it's a satire and how it's constructed, you need the plot of the film. But definitely, the most enriching and gratifying and beautiful part were the characters. Now, the the thing that's also kind of limiting about the way that Adam McKay has made this, like like you were saying, what the fuck is going on trilogy, um, is that. It's what's beautiful about them is that they are based in reality. They're very possible. All of them are very possible movies or based on real event movies, right? Yeah. Now, although a cool concept and a, and a very good move, at the same time, it is a little uh, limiting because because they are based in reality. That also um, messes with the order of events and the like. You're talking about the pacing specifically because because. Kind of the the big short had a very similar issue, like you were talking about, where it had um, another great Adam McKay movie, but it had uh, it got me stressed in the first forty five minutes, and then I, I'm stressed a little too early because the movie is such a a long one that I'm now just tired of being stressed. Like it, after I'm after you know hour forty five or something, um, or like two hours. I still have 30 minutes of the movie left, and I'm like, I'm just kind of tired. Like, I kind of want to be done with this. It's feeling. exhausting. It yeah. really is exhausting. Yeah, yeah. Like, like being on the edge of your seat, yeah. I need to either be told to relax for a moment or told to get stressed away yeah. later. Because and, the movie was trying so quickly to get to yeah. the meat of it. And, and, and the problem with letting it cook. the big short is that they have real-life events to tell you. Yeah. And so because – obviously, whenever you look at a story like that and you see that so much crazy shit happened in 2008 – you want to keep all of it, duh. But that that that's also kind of what limited it. In the same way, don't look up. They try to they try really really hard to make sure that the the order of events, the way that the scientists go about trying to tell the public that this meteor is coming to crash into Earth, is a very realistic one. Like they they do yeah. a really good job of making it as yeah, real yeah. as possible. But that's kind of the problem. Like, I, I wish that they didn't have to go to the president first. Mm. I wish that they um, maybe could have told some of, like, the groundlings first. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I wish that we would have gotten Timothy Chalamet's character way earlier. Like, I think that that is a really funny one. And yeah. it would have been interesting to see, like, maybe they try to tell a higher up and then they get turned away. And so they have to start just, like, campaigns on their own, like, grassroots campaigns to try and get people to... Like yeah. convince people, because that that's that's essentially what it turns into at the end, anyways. Yeah, is that they're told like everyone's like they're insane, and then they have to by themselves go and 
and figure then, out how to then publicize. Then it sort of becomes a parallel to the beginning of like we we are starting small yeah. again, and we have to. Grow, and I wish that it would have succeed this time, started you know? small and grew, rather than getting the big shit first, and then and then they kind of meander around, and then I'm left feeling like one, I'm tired, and two, I don't care nearly as much as I cared uh, like whenever you went and met the absolute, like the actual president and yeah. you had some of the funniest scenes in the movie with Jonah Hill and Jennifer Lawrence. Like those scenes were hilarious. Yeah. Um, I thought. And so it was, uh, yeah, I, I think that it, it was kind of poorly placed, but the, the debate that you can make to that, the counter argument is, well, that's how it would actually happen. Yeah. And also like the movie's not about that. Right. Right. You know? Right, which it's it's a tricky thing, and like, it it doesn't necessarily mean satires are invincible from criticism, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, my always my favorite example of satire is a musical called "You're in Town." Oh. Mac is reeling, oh, and it gosh. is a musical about this is how uh, we. This is like one of our first bonding points in true. our friendship because we both did the musical "You're in Town" in uh, high school, and what "You're in Town" is about is imagine <clears throat> if like the world was really, really low in water, so you had to go pay money to pee, and that's the concept of the Which entire is thing. Actually, genius! Like it's I really love funny. that musical. Conceptually, it's hilarious. Yeah, yes. exactly. Um. And so, but, like, it's not like you're in town is perfect, like, storytelling-wise, you know? Like, we were able to criticize it, even though it is a satirical piece that sort of quasi is not supposed to be taken too seriously, but is supposed to be taken seriously in the sense of its themes, right? Like, don't look too hard at the story. Look harder at what the story is trying to say. And don't look up. Wow. Right. Uh... Yeah, no, I, I and I actually really admire that style of movie making. Like I, and then that's also another reason. Like some of my favorite movies are movies that are, uh, intended to be fun watches. Yeah, that also have really powerful themes near the end. But, but the diff, but the difference is, is that like satires aren't really done anymore for the most part. Like oh. I'm having trouble, at least in my mind, like trying to think of like. A satire that was, first of all, good yeah. recently. Yeah. You know, like swing vote. Like I don't, <laughs> I don't. <laughs> oh my gosh, I, I forgot I, about that movie. Was that Kevin like, that movie? This is um uh, no, this was uh I think swing vote was Kevin Costner. It's it's the one. Oh, where you're he right. Well, he's to... yeah. Zach Galifianakis Galif- was in tie. a different movie. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but I mean, but like, I I I, I guess. What I'm trying to say is that it is still perfectly fine to criticize these movies and the stories that they tell because at the end of the day, the stories is what we have. That Even though the theme is much more important than the story itself, it also goes to show, wow, we don't really do satires anymore. And also goes to show that a lot of storytellers like to tell their stories, just not satirically, but still have themes be very important and themes be the forefront. Um but not have to like sometimes sacrifice uh their story here and there in mm-hmm. order for the message. Does that make sense? Cause yeah. I, Cause I think that's, that's, I don't necessarily feel this way, but I think it is a potential landing point for somebody to say uh in regards to don't look up that 
this story makes sacrifices for the sake of its theme, mm-hmm. you know, um, with that sort of being like how over the top and at the same time, how great, but also how over the top and how absurd the president and her son, who is also her chief of staff yeah. is, you know? Yeah. What did you, what did you think of the, uh, because a lot of people have taken on the the Trump card, like they've they've literally, yeah, they've they've tried they've tried really really hard to tackle um, uh, Trump as a character or as a you know um, a, a topic, right? How do you think they did uh, with Meryl Streep and Jenna Hill, and and how do you think that they? Because that that was maybe the only part of the movie that I was just like. Man, you are really going for okay. You're going for Trump. Okay. I think it works in a vacuum, right? So, okay. like, if we looked at those scenes just by themselves, I think they are genuinely funny and great scenes. Uh-huh. As something as simple as Jonah Hill uh, saying at a uh, a pep not pep rally, but at a rally. Excuse yeah. me, pep rallies for a high school. <laughs> pep rally. <laughs> at, a, at an assembly at an assembly sure yeah. and <laughs> uh and he says man if she wasn't my mom whoo you know like something like that's yeah, funny as hell that's right? super funny um and so then even though they're pulling out in more ways than one the trump card like i think in a vacuum it works really well and i think it's very very funny because then it also goes to show you know people can't actually be that absurd but then at the same time, is like, but are people actually that absurd? You know, something as small and is constantly revisited in the film where um, the uh, the military official, uh, I, I, I just don't have okay, the names okay. for like any uh, characters in this film. They, it went really very quickly. Yes, but, but the military official the uh, in this film, yeah, 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 who was uh, played by uh, Paul Guilfoyle. I hit the mic. That's a goddamn penalty. Uh, Paul Guilfoyle general, plays general, uh, themes. general themes. And uh, something as simple as, like, he brings back, you know, a couple of bottles of water and, like, Cheez-Its, and he says it's 10 bucks, and they find out later that, oh, no, that just came from a fridge. And he was just trying to swindle 10 bucks out of everybody. Uh, even though... So funny. He like probably has a gigantic position and makes at least a hundred grand a year. Why is yeah. he trying to get? Why is he trying to swindle? Well, the even funnier part is the fact that Jennifer Lawrence doesn't give it up. Like the entire yeah. movie. Well, because how could death, you? She's like, imagine if you were put in that situation. I would never give that up. Yeah, I would. I would I'm think just confused. about that rest of every day for the rest of my life. Well, also, it's just fucked up to think like that guy's in such a position of power in this country. And he clearly did that as a power play. Yes. And that is a that's comedic hilarious. and that's a comedic moment that yeah. I think works in in the human sense as well. Like it's absurd, but I can totally see some motherfucker doing that. Yeah. Right. Where it's 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 more difficult to imagine the president doing those things, but then also you know. Yeah. <laughs> right, right, right. It's, so, it's difficult to assess. In that way, I would like to talk about the the potential for this movie to age. Uh, but only whenever we uh come back after a word from our sponsor. All right. Yeah, oh, there it is. Jesus Christ. All right. We're on slow mo. Hard hard to yeah, we, we are gonna start we're starting off this uh segment with a little bit of 
uh, espresso. Espresso, uh, yes. Because we just had a hard time. This this is uh not the highest quality of work that we have. We're tired. Yeah, yeah. Peeking behind the curtain once again, and we're tired. Let me tell you, this the rest of this episode after this espresso, and especially the following episode of recording tonight, Outer Wilds, is going to be mind boggling. Did I close my fridge? I you should go check that. Yeah, I think you did. I think you did. I think Visual that's visual joke. Yeah. Of the mind. <laughs> okay, um, you know what? I'm just going to do the podcast for myself. So the uh, the thing that I wanted to make uh, clear in this segment was I, I think this movie is going to age phenomenal. Was it good? Yeah, the, okay, the good. fridge was closed. Okay. <laughs> I think this movie is going to age phenomenally. I think okay. that once we are out of the Trump era, um, this could this could be applied to any president. Um, it's just it kind of hits yeah. you over the head right now. Yeah, I'm with you there. I think in about 10 years, once we have a new, fresh generation of people that don't really think about Trump all that often, that that's going to be a, a, a hotbed for comedy. And then also, like, just once we're out of COVID, like, whenever it's not – because I agree that there are parts of this movie that feel like they hit you over the head with the COVID themes. Uh-huh. But now knowing, or ever since you mentioned that it wasn't a movie that was written to do that. Yeah. I started thinking more and more about the movie, and I, I think I think you're right. Like it, it would have been a really funny movie, and I wish that it was a movie that was released without COVID having COVID having been a thing. Yeah, because it would have been, I I think a lot funnier or a lot easier received. You know, I think people are paying more attention to it now, though, because of COVID. True, very true. You know, well, um, also. Ins- yes, yes. Right, okay, it's Adam McKay right. and then all these stars all the that are in it. Uh, like, of course, like that. that is always going to help, obviously. But I think part of it, too, is that we're all hunkered down, you know, and along with this movie just generally being anticipated and us being hunkered down like it's on Netflix and like it's a it's about an impending thing and because it's also partially about like science and trying to get the message out there and because so much of what we've been going through currently in America as a country with so many people just not trusting science then it's like it's perfectly topical mm-hmm. you know and i think is to the movie's benefit because uh it was like one of if not the like most watched thing ever for netflix at its release don't look up yes uh wow. I'm, I'm gonna have to do some research yeah yeah on please that. yeah please please um, look that up, but, but, yeah. but, but then Actually, also I'll like along with that like i don't even know where i was going but the point is is that <laughs> is that there was a lot of reasons for this film to succeed now and i think yes i agree it does bat you over the head with the themes that it's trying to say but and like the execution of said themes and the execution of its story, but I I a hundred percent agree with you that in the end, in the long run, that we are going to look back at this film and like remember it as being one thing, but a future generation may look at it differently. Do you, do you have any sort of uh, okay? Findings? This is what I got. Uh, the film written and directed by the Big Short filmmaker Adam McKay was watched for. 152 million hours globally between December 27th and January 6th, a record-breaking amount for the streamer according to Deadline. I don't know if they mean streamer as in Netflix or streamer as in Adam McKay. Um, but mm-hmm. I, I don't 
I would not be shocked. Yeah. Um, I, th- I think it's safe to say Netflix. I don't think we need to put the reckless speculation uh, sort of, you know, boop on yeah, it. Yeah, that, that you know. Netflix, this is this is probably one of the biggest things they've ever yeah. released. And so I think— but Also perfect time, too. This was my famous Christmas movie. Wow. Yeah, we Hold watched on, this did, does your family watch a Christmas or just like a movie oh, every— every single year. And this is the thing. It actually kind of—this pissed me off. Oh. So about 15 years ago, we started this tradition— 15 years ago, we started a tradition where every single Christmas, because we always make fun of my mom, because she doesn't, like, cook a whole lot, and so we always called her, like, the best, like, heater-upper in the world. Every single time she was like, but I'm a good cook, right? We were like, you're the best heater-upper in the world. That microwave is banging. And we thought that that was really funny. So she got offended one Christmas, and we went to Denny's for Christmas breakfast, and then went and saw a movie. And that was, like, our Christmas tradition ever since then. Your Texas dialect just creeped in out of nowhere. Oh shit! I so so the it was probably the memories of my mom. D E N N Y apostrophe S right that chain restaurants that's similar to IHOP right. Denny's. 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 You said Denny's. That was fascinating. Denny's. Yeah, Denny's. 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 I also want to give a gold medal to Danny Lebel quick my gold medal is going to danny what a train wreck this is such no, no, a train no 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 this is slowly going my favorite episode we've ever done let's let's crash this is this what bird. i always wanted the show to be you don't know that <laughs> that's true <laughs> oh god how much i have to play defense against it's you it's i want to bring it down at all times that i want to give you the gold medal for this espresso it's so good man it's yeah. really hitting the spot a little bit of sugar oh I know it's it's really this doing is, us is favors. Is cane sugar? It's it's uh it's raw. It's I think it's raw sugar. It's raw, yeah, raw sugar. sugar. No, in the no, raw. no. Excuse me. It is brown sugar. It's brown sugar. That makes sense. Yeah. Okay. The brown sugar. Oh. Yep. Mm. Was brown sugar your nickname in high school? So I think what was beautiful about this film was it's also terrifying. Yeah. It's a scary film. Yeah. That even though it was funny in moments, even though it was dramatic in moments, that it, the movie still found its way to be terrifying in its own yeah. way. Oh, yeah. And I think the one of the best things structurally about this film was the tangibly, extremely high stakes that everybody was going through. What happened? <laughs> <laughs> what happened? Um, what did I, I do? I just got, got. It was it was the fact. <laughs> like I knew what was going through your mind. Just now, you were talking, you looked down the timer, you saw 21 minutes left, and I saw on your face, I saw you go, that's a lot more time than I thought. <laughs> <laughs> Am I wrong? That's exactly no, what the fuck. <laughs> I know it. I, and you know how I know it? Because I had the same damn okay. thought. Okay, so <laughs> I looked at it and I was like, god damn. <laughs> What? Okay, stop. Okay, stop, 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 stop. Okay, okay, fine, fine. Let's. You see that elephant in the room? Let's talk about it. Why are we having a tough time discussing this film? It's so funny though. Why are we it's having? Killing me. But like, this is a good film. No, it's fantastic. So let's. Can I tell you what it honestly is? What? This is so sad. We need to address it. You're right. We need to address it. And this we should have addressed it in the first part. This is on us. We try to make a good episode, and we were lying to ourselves. I'm actually really happy with this because, like, this is the most honest I think we've ever been with the audience. This is like (laughs) number one most honest we've ever been, and this is the truth. I I hope you can agree with me. 
this movie really, really was very good. Yeah. And any other time, this would have been a pretty easy rec- uh, recording session, right? Sure. Yeah. What's making this so difficult is... I'm just going to say it. Outer Wilds was so fucking good. It was so good. I can't stop thinking about it. And the fact that I had to talk about Don't Look Up is difficult. <laughs> so Outer Wilds is a video game uh, that Mac and I uh, were playing for our sleeper pick. And you see, this is a double feature Tuesday that we're recording on a Monday. Yeah. And so after this, we're going to record our Outer Wilds episode. And literally, um, since the moment I came in the room, like... The only thing that we've been talking about is just like, I'm really worried about this Don't Look Up episode because <laughs> Outer Wilds was so good. I really just want to talk about Outer Wilds. And not to say that Don't Look Up wasn't good, but no, because really Outer was. Wilds was spectacular. Right, right. Okay, so what what about Don't Look Up was uh, like really – was there anything that you'd steal from it, I guess is my question. Is there anything that you would take from it that you were like, you know what – that that's something that I wish that I could do that I want to try in the future. I think structurally a couple of things. It's it's the extremely high stakes for the characters. It is which makes a just wonderful breeding ground for crazy action to occur that is totally 100% motivated and makes sense for the people that are involved in that situation. That's a big thing, right? If you can make your characters live in these crazy stakes of the moment, then, like, that's going to breed the most beautiful of conflict and action. What happened? Why are you chuckling like a madman I just can't stop thinking about the last five minutes. (laughs) Yes, no, I I completely agree. um, But but, but do you think that that is, um, like, a a testament to satire or to the... A movie that Adam McKay wrote. I think it's a little bit of both, right? I think so too. I think that more than for, for for me, whenever I'm watching this movie, it's less me looking at the movie and thinking to myself, "Man, I wish that I could write something like Adam McKay." It's more I miss satire, and yeah. I really want to try that. Okay, I, I think I I talked about it briefly in the first part, and I think I'm I'm finally coming around on what I was trying to say is that. Conceptually, this isn't a very complex movie. A comet's coming to hit Earth. A couple of scientists need to let everybody know what the fuck is going on. Yeah. Not complex. Yeah. What really gets to you about this film are the characters, mm-hmm. right? Randall Mindy's journey into being like a family man and then like cheating on his lovely wife with, with a completely superficial Kate Blanchett's character and then... And then, you know, kind of swaying to one side or another. And then we have uh, Dibby Askew, who is Jennifer Lawrence's character, and just the struggle that she has to put up with uh, in regards to people consistently ridiculing her and denying her. And then Rob Morgan's Teddy Oglethorpe, which I thought, like, really tied everything together super-duper well. I think that's why... He's my gold medal for me, and I think he's like such an underappreciated actor in the film, even though his wig looked awful. Uh, I mean, Christ. I mean. Um, okay, so I, I am now that I am uh, scrolling through this um, through all of our episodes, I can now say with confidence, yes, we have never reviewed something with Leonardo DiCaprio in it, which uh, statistically is uh, unlikely. All right, so, okay, okay, I wrote this note down, and it, I think it's one of the dumbest notes I've oh, ever written in my life. I'm excited. Do we take Leo for granted? Okay, 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 okay. Because I'm watching Leonardo DiCaprio, and I'm like, wait a second. This is, like, one of our one of the best actors of our time. And, like, we all know that. Yes. You know? But we, we all we're know We're kind of over it. We're like, 
yeah, he's we've he's accepted great. it and moved on. Right, right. Why right, have right. we done that? Right. And he and he's great in this film. Like he doesn't do anything too crazy, but he's like completely honest and grounded in his character and grounded in his action and motivation and just a wonderful physical exploration that he goes on throughout this film. Yeah. And I was like, oh wait, what the fuck? That's Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah. Well, um, have we seen him in so many good things that we're just like, oh yeah, this is gonna be good. Yes, we have. And honestly, I can say the same about Meryl Streep. That yeah. like. And 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 it's, it was so interesting to see people talk about Meryl Streep, like Jonah Hill, whenever he talks about Meryl Streep, or whenever uh, anyone else in interviews talks about Meryl Streep. That um, every everyone says the same thing, which is uh, she is consistently the most calming presence in the room, um, and like the most accepting because she knows that acting's fucking weird, man. Yeah, like it's a weird, tricky thing to try. And yeah. and to explore like that, I think she might be one of the few actors in Hollywood or one of the few film actors that understands how important rehearsal is to an actor and knows that it's that it is a process. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, like, and it's a process for everybody in the room, and it's a, right. like a sort of collaborative experience that like we're all right. sort of pushing towards. For some reason, like every actor that I can think of that doesn't have copious experience in theater really seems to have this weird, weird thing where they feel like they're supposed to like get it on the first take yeah. um, or that it's supposed to just magically make sense. And it's Even like, though, and in the case of this film, like a lot of particularly the lines between Meryl, Meryl Streep and Jonah Hill were like improvised lines and it's yeah. just something that would they would just keep the camera rolling right. and just to see what sort of like shit sticks but then what it allows also is like this breathing room for these characters of just pure unfiltered exploration right and that is where the character work really happens and so then when it finally reaches the big screen then you have a fully realized and explored character that is completely in the body of those actors right and then what it also becomes in turn is that since they become more comfortable in those bodies in those like sort of shells that they're Uh wearing they become a lot more generous with the action that they're throwing to their scene partners uh-huh. and just like giving. And when I see, when I say generous, I mean like essentially giving like specific action, maybe specific lines into int- inclinations, intonations for the other person across from you to easily just respond to. Right. Yeah. I mean, something as simple as like, if I just like give you a wink right now, that like, that'll like do something to your body yes. immediately. Yes, absolutely. You know, because, you know, okay. Okay. <laughs> so my shoulders up. Look at you. Just a little, the, um, pop, you know, dang with that mustache. Pop, uh, pop. Uh. How have we not talked about that on, on the show yet? We haven't even addressed that. You are mustachioed and very loud shirt. I fucking love this look. Yeah, though. for for our listening audience, it's it's just a bunch of colors and tessellations. It's like, it's like a block shirt kind of, yeah. but it's it's beautiful. You're yeah. just killing it today. Thank you, baby. Um, uh, okay. T- tell me if this is is an experience that you can resonate with or or understand. If I was to work, if I was to be in the cast of this movie, if I was to work with these actors, yeah. and it was maybe my first time, or I was just stepping on set, I would feel comfortable with. Working with pretty much every single actor in this movie, except Leonardo DiCaprio. Why is that? I'm trying to figure it out. I don't know. There's something, like, I don't think that I would be able to 
I don't know. I just wouldn't feel like open. Okay. And comfortable. Wow. Look, look at you just expressing your own vulnerabilities. What's what's going yeah, on here? Yeah, I don't. I don't know. But like, I know that if I saw Meryl Streep on set, of course I'd fangirl at first, but then I would get over it and just have a good time. Yeah. And definitely same with Jennifer Lawrence. Like I'm sure. I'm sure. She's I've, I've. And I think it would happen with Mr. Leo. I think I'm it sure would, it would. you would get there. I mean, there, there's a reason yeah. that like, I think that's another thing that 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 is not often talked about is that. These actors that work all the damn time in Hollywood. It's because people want to work with them. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and not just the producers, but like... Is they want to work and people want to work with them. Right. You know? It's it's not that they're just like that good at self-generating. Yeah. Like they're exactly. they're able to... This isn't an people. Edward Norton scenario of nobody wants to work with him. And this isn't a Daniel yeah. Day-Lewis of he doesn't want to work all the time. Right, You know. right, right. <laughs> nice. Yeah, that was good. That was good. But like, yeah, like, like Edward Norton is obviously extremely talented. Yeah. And yeah, it's just difficult to to work through. So, short. from what we've heard, right, right, know. we can there's we can also call Eddie. I don't know a lot. <laughs> there's also a lot of actors that are really that are that are really good self generators, mm-hmm. and aren't like and and you know don't really play in the space as much. Yeah. Um. And so yeah, it's it's interesting to see. Uh, I, I guess I guess a movie chock full of actors that are clearly really good at being with the other people. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And it, it does kind of make me envious. Like it makes me want to yeah. want to work in that space. Well, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like it was clearly, they set a breeding ground for play. Yeah. And that's, that's where the best work is cultivated. Uh-huh. Do you think that that's Adam McKay? Or do you think that, that that's the actors? Yes. Okay. Okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> right. I mean, but like, I mean, at that level, I'm sure you could just give it to the actors. And, and but like, it's what also like part of it with Adam McKay too is just like him never losing sight of the comedy that's at hand of like understanding of like the story is going to carry itself, right? But but what is important is just like the sort of vibrancy that's going on in the scene, right? Like there's still like tangible action that's happening, and if we commit ourselves to that with each other then we're gonna get somewhere you know but we got to believe in each other as well and believe in each other that we're gonna get ourselves there you know like having confidence in the script as well and in the thing that you've written to really like push everyone to be like don't worry about it we got this Uh you know which is i imagine that conversation was not needed to be had (laughs) for this film right you know but i mean but something as simple as like mark rylance's like peter ishawell Right, oh, which CEO we, yeah, of the which phone is company, way Bash, too, too little talked about. Who is like this weird sort of like pseudo mix between like tech guru and like Jordan Peterson, you know? And oh and my it is gosh. like super duper uncomfortable, Jordan and it's Peterson. just like it's so unsettling at the same time. But that is that is an element of just like let's see what we can come up. With. I that is the exact voice of Jordan Peterson. The more I'm the the second you said that, I was like. Oh my gosh, yeah. that is very those bright white veneers that he's I carrying mean, in, on mean, the screen, weighing down his face, and honestly, really, really lovely touch whenever they all die, like on the new planet. That's really yeah, funny. Yeah, the rocks, Yeah, I mean, oh yeah. yeah. Let, actually, let's 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 get into it. I'm surprised we actually haven't gotten there. Let's talk about the ending of this film. Yeah, that's so weird that we haven't gotten there. The fact that there isn't a satisfying ending, or rather, should I say, I shouldn't say satisfying, but rather hopeful. Or like happy yeah. ending. There's nothing quite happy 
about it at all. Yeah. What did you feel about the ending? Did you feel like it, it was? It felt like it was intended. Like I, I don't know it. With with the amount that the movie was, uh, and I don't mean this in a bad way, but the with the amount that the movie was preaching, yeah, at me about climate change, um, or about the current state of things, or just like trusting scientists in general, right? It felt like that's was where it was going to end. You know what I mean? Um, it felt like uh, because there needed to be a call to action at the end of the movie. It needed to be something that was uh, meant to jolt the audience and into action rather than make them feel bubbly. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I, I it was just, I, um, I'm happy with it. Yeah. And it was kind of beautiful. I. Yeah. Um, but I wasn't shocked. Yeah. By any means. I, I wasn't necessarily shocked either. And I think it was the right choice in the end because I, I felt like then. It also additionally put the idea into our heads of like appreciating the loved ones that are around us, that and, like the people that you beautiful. love and the people that you cherish. Well, because it, then, it, then it like the film was ending, and it left me with the thought of like, okay, if I found out the world was ending, who like, would, would I, I spend do? it with? Yeah, like, yeah. What would what would I do? Absolutely. You know? And because like the film ended like that, it forced me to like confront myself with that question. Yeah. As opposed to just purely being taken on the ride of okay, there's right. a comic coming. Let's see. If well, we they could have just like set down the dinner table and and the world blew up. But I'm yeah. really glad they had like a couple minutes of conversation. And like as, mundane as everything is shaking, they're trying so desperately to talk about apple pie and coffee. Yeah. And 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 with the improvised line. Yeah. Let's just like this line was not in the script of uh Randall Mindy, Leonardo DiCaprio's character saying, We really did have everything, didn't we? That legitimately got like a couple of tears. Out of me. Yeah. Because it was just like, holy shit. Well, because like, you're thinking the whole time in this film, this is just a satire, right? But then when you boil it down to its characters, and those characters had so much life and dreams and ambitions and ideals to them, and then them finally realizing the most important things in their lives were always just right next to them. Was just like something that rocked me to my core. Yeah. Of like, if the movie was about that the entire time, then I don't think it would have succeeded. But because it was about, you know, the satire and the big theme of like trust the, you know, the educated people on a subject, that yeah. when all of a sudden it became about like loved ones and appreciating and and taking the wins that you can get. Like, that was like, holy shit. Because it, it very much is that sort of thing of we take everything for granted, un, you know, and then it's too late. And for all of them, in a way, it was too late. But at the same time, like, they were, they were able to experience their last moments together, which made a sort of tragically beautiful moment that, and it's crazy to think that the film originally did not end in that fashion. But because of that one line... I feel like it changes the entire sort of outlook on the yeah, film. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. You know, so uh, we can agree that that the that the movie did have a clear call to action. Yeah. What? Whenever the movie ended, right? It goes, it fades to black, and and after everyone explodes, whatever. So, for you, what was the? Whether you did it or not, 
what was the thing that you were inspired to do? I think that's might be my biggest critique. I think just to be more aware and like at least at the very least <laughs> raise awareness. Uh, but yeah. like to be but to be more attentive about um sort of how information is consumed by others because like what really occurred to me also during that film and then just like taking a look around per se is that oh shit we are not comfortable with being wrong you know like being yeah. wrong about anything and even when there is something that's going on that like inconveniences us we want to turn the other cheek you know and so like that was like the call to action at least for me of like okay so how can i slowly break those things down and hopefully inspire this like albeit even if it's small butterfly effect of like if i can at least convince or persuade or just you know guide someone into you know being more comfortable that like it's okay to be wrong sometimes that's perfectly fine you know like like that's a victory for me you know, like, I don't, I don't, I haven't in my heart of hearts received the call of action, call to action to do anything like big and large, but like, I'm well, I'm now I'm more aware rather of like, okay, I need to pay a lot more attention to like how we consume information and where information is coming from. And like nine times out of 10, it's good to trust the people who are educated on a subject generally, yeah. right? Because, like, facts are facts even when they inconvenience us. When they inconvenience us, that, that doesn't mean they're no longer facts, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, was there Was there something in regards to you that, like— you Well, felt? I think that might have been the, the toughest part for me with— um, Oh, three. Oh, no. Oh, thank God. Oh, oh two-minute warning, It's folks. a two-minute warning. We, we've had a tough time with this episode. Well, uh, honestly, this has, like, slowly become one of my favorites. I'm going to remember this one forever. This is hilarious to me. At least it's good for us, you know? This is, like, a bonding opportunity for fuck us. Fuck, yeah. yeah. Fuck the audience. I feel audience. very close. I, I feel very close. Dog I'm, I know I'm going to cry in Outer Wilds. Wow. And I, and I feel very comfortable now doing so. Um, This is, <laughs> this is what I'm going to say. Uh, My biggest gripe... I think of the movie is that uh, it didn't feel like a learn a lesson movie. It felt like a get your ass up and go do something kind of movie. And so it was frustrating to me that the ending was a learn a lesson ending. I see. Um, I wish that okay. like it felt like a movie where it faded to black and they would have given me like a number to call or like somewhere to donate or something. I see. Like that's what it felt like. And so it's kind of frustrating that, it set itself off really, really well, and then ended up just being like, "Just love your family." And I'm like, yeah. "Well, but I want to do something to help." You I know? see what you're saying. Yeah, because there were so many specific problems they were referring to, and, and they were talking about in the real world that I wish that it would have been. Uh, I, I I wish that, I wish that it would have been addressed in the in the ending. That's totally fair. I mean, I still found this to be a very good film, even though yeah. we both oh, had difficulty great. discussing it. It was a great time. It was a fun time. Uh, pacing is odd, but I think it probably works out structurally to the movie's favor, I think. Um, funny, but because of the comedy, it lends to the tragedy even more. And But that's also one of the things that I liked most about it is that, like, love your family. It's, it's yeah. the sort of thing that's, like, really saying at the core, and it's then, you know, before it's too late. Right. Mac, what are we going to do uh, next time? What's, what's your little ditty that you want to uh, offer to the world? 
Oh, well, I figured that I would announce it in out of wild. No, no, but that's wild the next so sleeper pick. You idiot. Oh, fuck, fuck, uh, 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 we're going to do uh, Repertoire by Jay's Gatecaster. Failure.